You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 269, Krista Hutchins and How Failure Refines. Everything is going to be okay. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for downloading Halfway There. I get asked a lot, why is the show called Halfway There? I don't think I've said it on this show for a while, but I believe that we're always growing. And perhaps, going all the way back to episode three, my friend Bill Brown said, Perhaps we uh, will always learn more about God because we can't exhaust knowledge of an infinite God. So maybe we're always going to be halfway there on the journey, walking and learning. Um, friends, if you enjoy this show, and I, I believe you will, go ahead and would you share this episode with a friend or somebody you know who it will, will bless. We'd appreciate that. Um, our guest today, she equips busy communicators and leaders with project management, don't we all need that, and problem-solving skills so they can turn their big ideas into a successful ministry or business. I love that idea, and I'm sure we'll get all into it and how she got here. Our guest is Krista Hutchins. Krista, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm glad to, to have you too. Of course, we are connected through Christian Podcasters Association on Facebook and uh, just wanted to wanted to hear more about your story and kind of hear more about what, what you're what you're up to. That's kind of one sentence is not enough, I'm sure, to encapsulate all of what you're up to. So give me give me like take me into kind of where God has you right now and and what you're doing. Yeah, so right now I um, I work full time um, in the engineering and construction industry. I'm a project manager. So I have a full-time job. And then on the side of that, I have uh, Do A New Thing, which is my, we call it a business tree, right? Half business, half mm-hmm. ministry, ministry-minded business, um, where I serve Christian women mostly um, who communicate and lead. So writers, speakers, ministry leaders, and help them take their big, fuzzy, audacious ideas that they have um, and they're very usually very creative and they think in visionary um, ways and then I help them put them in a structure and a practical plan so that they can actually implement those ideas. I find I love working with creatives. My father is a writer so I've grown up in that creative world Mm. Um, and so I love being able to be the bridge between the creative and the structure and help them be able to really see their dreams come to life. So that's what I do with my clients through um, project management, accountability coaching, strategy development, um, planning and scheduling and those kind of things. So that's, that's the work I do. Well, give me an example of what all that means, like what, what that might mean for you in your day to day. Um, so it means, um, someone usually comes with to me, I mean, recently it's been a couple of people who, um, who want to start podcasts or people who want to publish a book and, or people who want to create a course and they have a big, big idea and it's very vague. Um, they know sometimes what God wants them to accomplish with it, but they don't know the steps of what's the first step that I take and what's the second 
Um, and sometimes, especially women, but men as well, they want to see the whole entire picture before they'll take the first step. And we know that often God asks us to take that step <laughs> without knowing the whole picture, right? Um, Indeed he does. And so I think one of the things I, I, I teach them a lot is that, you know, clarity comes from action. You often don't know where you're headed. Um, you know the general direction. So take a step in that general direction. And God will make it clear whether your next step is the one right in front of that, or it needs to go off to the side a little bit. Um, so that's what it looks like. It's like, it helps, it's helping people take the first step and then make, then figuring out what the next step is um, and having some kind of structured plan. So I, I meet with people and help them create a plan for their month. And then I check in on them every week uh, to see if they've done the things on their plan or what stood in their way, what problems and barriers we can remove um, and how we can get them on the right track. So I love mm -hmm. the one-on-one. -on -one. I've also do some in the group environment as well, but the one-on-one -on -one is what really fires me up. Yeah, that's so needed. I find that that is a kind of uh, I'm trying to find the I want to say lacking, but it's, it's a it's a sort of missing place in the sort of business world, right? Like everybody tells you, oh, do all these things. Nobody tells you like, hey, do this, then do that. And then like these very intentional steps uh, for what to do. So that sounds like a really great, great service. I'm sure there's a story with how you got there. So we'll come back to that. But uh, you, where are you from? Where, where'd you, where'd you grow up? I want to go back into your story now. Okay. I grew up, I was, I was born in Mississippi. We moved to Florida when I was young. Like I said, my father is a writer. He's actually a sports writer, was a sports journalist for many years. And so we moved from Mississippi to Florida when I was young um, and, you know, grew up in a Christian home and going to church and all those things. I went away to college. Um, I knew that uh, I was, I, you know, I kind of, I walked into my chemistry teacher's um, room one day in high school and I said, I love math and I love chemistry. What's a good way to combine them? And she said, chemical engineering. And I said, okay, I'll be a chemical <laughs> engineer. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. All I knew is that when I said it, people would go, Ooh, that's really cool. <laughs> so you're then, like, that's impressive. I like it. Yeah. And the Enneagram three in me loved that. I didn't know that's uh -huh. what it was at the time, <laughs> but, yeah. but the three in me loved that response. So, um, I became a chemical engineer. I went off to college. I, I did some of the typical kind of college sowing your oats thing and about halfway through God, um, pulled me back to himself. And in some just really cool ways. And I began serving him even more strongly um, at the last mm. couple of years of college. And then we, you know, I got out of school, I got married and, uh, and off we went. All right. Well, okay. So I want to dive into some of those stories. So growing okay. up in a, in a Christian home, how did your faith become your own is kind of how I ask it, but like what, how'd that happen for you? I think I was, I, I was always a performer in my faith mm. in my young days. I did all the things I was, you know, I went to Sunday school. I did all of the memory verse challenges. I was a Bible drill champion. I was, I did all the things I went to choir. I did, I did all the things you perform to show that you're a good Christian girl. Um, and I, I don't think, I think my faith was real then. Um, I, I, but believed 
in Jesus. I believed in my salvation. I believed in, in where his place was in my life, but I, I think I compartmentalized as the older I got into my high school years. And then my early college years, I began to compartmentalize it. And that's one thing even today is a skill that I have is the ability to compartmentalize, not necessarily now compartmentalizing my faith from the rest of me, but just being able to compartmentalize things in my brain is sort of one of the ways that God uses that structural ability in me. Um, and so I think in those early days, I, I compartmentalized my faith into one box of my life and I compartmentalized my academics in a different box and my social and um, relationships in a different box. And so the boxes all had very strong boundaries around them and they didn't mix very well. Um, and it wasn't until when I was in college the last couple of years that God began to take down the barriers between those boxes so mm -hmm. that everything could mix together. Um, even then, I think my faith and my personal life uh, mixed and my professional life um, still had its own box. My academic and professional life still kind of had its own box. Not that I was doing anything ungodly or, or bad in those areas. It's just that it professional, I didn't see the connection between my profession and my faith. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of, so it was kind of in that college time where God began to break down the walls between those boxes that my faith became real, very real to me. Yeah. You said something really interesting there about always being a performer, which, which, okay. So I'll tell you, I'm not a performer. So that, that drives, like, I have to be authentic or else mm -hmm. I'm just going to go crazy. Right. Cause I'm a four. So mm -hmm. like that, that's uh but that's like, so, but it's so true. Like there's a lot of goodness there, right? There's a lot of earnestness that, that can come with that. And I hear you saying that you were like that, right? You were, you're like, Hey, I'm, I, I believe in, but I'm, it's just kind of this one part of your life. Yeah. But, but like you said, good comes out of that. I think I, I right. always ch tell my kids the, the Bible verses that I memorized, um, as a sixth grade Bible drill champion are still the Bible verses that I know best today and, yep. and that God brings to my mind. And he uses that in my life today. So there's good that came out of that performing. God used that performing to give me a foundation to return to when, after I had strayed away a bit. So yeah. that performing was part of a foundation that he was building even then. Oh, that's good. Okay. So then how did God start to break down the walls of your boxes? As you say, like what, how'd that go down? Uh, it was just an ugly time. You know, it was a time where things that I thought were very important to me, um, began to disintegrate and crumble relationships. I had put faith in, um, my grades in school, you know, of course, as an, a, a performer and a high achiever in school, my grades were the worst they had ever been. Some of my relationships were the worst they'd ever been. Physically, I was in the worst shape I had ever been. And um, and God just broke all of the, I mean, just broke the the things, broke some things physically, broke some things emotionally. Um, and so I mean, sort of a rock bottom experience, but not 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 so ugly that I felt like, you know, not not that bad, but definitely broke pieces of me in order to make me more like him and to help me see, um, that I needed to not compartmentalize and, and keep all those things so separate. Yeah. Was there a moment where you said, okay, I've got like, you get to surrender or how that. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a moment when I walked, when I found myself in a situation that I should not have been in. And I said, okay, this is, 
I, this is it, I'm done. And I, and I physically walked away, um, moved out of where I was living, uh, moved in with some um, Christians from, from the church that I was attending and, uh, and really never looked back. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like that kind of, you kind of had to make a choice like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually uh, pursue Jesus in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, I had to. And for me, because again, because I tend to compartmentalize, I also tend to be kind of an all or nothing. So I had tried for too long to have a feet in both worlds. And, and I finally realized that those compartments weren't working. So I had to put both feet in, in one world. And so I went almost overnight from one extreme to the, to the other extreme. And I had to completely immerse myself in, um, in a faith community in my, the people that I was living with, the, the places I was going, the things I was doing and completely disassociate myself from the old, um, because I couldn't make the switch by keep still keeping part of myself in each world. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting about that is the idea that you had to kind of let go of your old life, right? Mm -hmm. Paul talks about this a lot, right? You had to kind of maybe let that, let that, as he says, I, the, this language is my favorite in Colossians, take off, right? Yeah. And put on, put on yeah. the new life. Like yeah. You can't put, put on the new identity in Christ without taking off the old, the old identity and behaviors and yeah. Well. Right. Otherwise you're just putting on another layer of clothes. You know, you're just putting on layers of clothes over dirty, over something that's dirty. And yeah, so, right. um, and it gets hot. Enough. It gets hot. There's probably, there's yeah. probably a hell joke in there somewhere, but yeah, I, don't know right <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, my, that's the way my brain works. Well, okay. So you made this choice and then you, things kind of, kind of started to change. How, how did your aware, either awareness of who God is or like, have your, your development in what I like to call the way of Jesus, like how'd that, how'd that go from there? I was really blessed to kind of fall in with a group of, of young women who were being mentored and discipled by our college minister. So we had kind of our own little pyramid scheme going, you know, we had the, the, the college minister's wife was discipling three or four girls and each of those girls were, were discipling three or four. And then each of us were discipling three or four as we, you know, as we grew in our own, in our own relationship with God. So I kind of fell in that, I mean, it was loosely organized, but it was, um, it, it was very, again, very immersive. And so having people who had walked before me and were pouring into me and willing to let me make mistakes, let me not be perfect in that transition and that change, but were willing to, to do the hard emotional and spiritual work that I needed to do to, to have a new relationship with Jesus, to have a real relationship with Jesus that was not performance, but that was, that was a real, um, you know, the real intimate relationship that he desires for us. They walked me through that in that, that little group of people. And, um, and I'm grateful, very grateful for, for all that they did and, and helped me find that new way of intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. That's such an important time, right? Is there, is there anything that stands out to you as like a, a moment or a story where you experience God or a passage or something like a mentor that said to you? I think we were really um, big in those days in receiving 
what God had already done for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not again, coming from my performing background, there wasn't anything I could do. There weren't any number of Bible verses I could memorize. There weren't any number of homeless shelters I could visit that were going to make God love me anymore. Um, and, and kind of getting to that point where one thing I remember of being coming very real to me was the idea when we say Jesus loves you, Jesus loves me. We're not talking about Jesus loves you, the world, the collective you that we're talking about. Mm. Jesus loves you. He loves you personally. He loves me personally as an individual, not just as a member of the corporate body. And, um, and so that is, I think really the biggest gift that they gave me was that understanding that, that Jesus loved me and that they loved They were striving to love me in the way that Jesus did. Of course, not as perfectly as he does, but, but that was their goal was to love me as unconditionally and perfectly and individually as Jesus does. And that kind of love is what changed my life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And were you studying chemical engineering? I was, I was still in school and in getting my degree in engineering. Yep. Yeah. So where'd that take you? Did you you end up? Yeah, I graduated and I uh, went to work as an engineer and an engineering company in Florida and uh, my, my career progressed. I moved around a couple of times back and forth from, from, uh, from location to location. But, um, you know, I did very well in my career and I kind of always viewed um, that I would be kind of, you know, the shining Jesus light in the corner office of the dark corporate world and all of that. I kind of viewed that's what God was preparing me for. Um, I kind of came in that age of the of diversity initiatives just becoming a big thing in the technical field and bringing more and more women in and so i was the both the beneficiary of that and also suffered as a victim of that in some ways um there's good oh, what does that. that mean um well i mean there's there's good ways in that i was you know i was recognized i was given a lot of mentoring i was given a lot of opportunity but that also meant that there were other people who were not getting that and so, um, you know, so, so there were some relationships that were um, not built. I wasn't able to network and, and create the kind of relationships with my peers who were mostly men because yeah. I was being given opportunities that they were not. Um, and so there's a positives in, in growing and grooming women to take on these roles and to help them help, help equalize the playing field in organizations. But there's also some negatives that you have to negotiate and, and work around. So, so I had both sides of that. Well, so did that influence your faith at all? Or were you feeling kind of compartmentalized about that? I didn't, I think it, it was a piece I don't really think that I equated any of that to my faith. Um, you know, I was definitely thankful that God was showing favor on me in my career um, and, and, and providing these opportunities for me from that standpoint, but I didn't really wrestle through the negative part, I don't think, um, with God until I got to, to the end of that part of my career. You know, I had been on a very fast track upward trajectory. And I, I basically hit a wall where I 
I failed for the first time um, in a pretty oh, wow. pretty spectacular public way in within my company. That was embarrassing for me, embarrassing for the company, um, and and had some consequences for both of us. So um, again, that that I think is when I really began to see that God was trying to do something different and teach me something different through my career than, um, you know, than he, than I thought. Oh, uh, that's really interesting as a performer, as an achiever mm-hmm. running into failure for the first time. I guess that fascinates me. So do you want to tell us that story or is that something you. Yeah. I mean, not the details of it, but, but yeah, I, I was in a position, a leadership position on a project that didn't meet the, didn't meet the standards that any of us had. Um, There were some really good parts of it. And and at the time I I took, I internalized the blame for it. um, And I took the career hit uh, for it. Um, Interestingly enough, though, the few several years later, God redeemed that in in that the company that I was was my client. Then um, when they did their next project, they came and asked me to work on that project. So they recognized the value that I brought, um, even though the project itself as a whole didn't perform the way people wanted it to. So God redeemed that experience um, in a way that was very unexpected. But I learned a lot through um, through that about um, about about my pride for one, you know, pride in my own abilities. Um, I learned that you know often, even though um, even though God is showing favor, He also sometimes shows us the hard side as well in order to get us to the next place that He wants us to go. And it's often for me the failure was the, was part of the route to where he was leading me. Because I think if I had always been successful and always been moving up and continuing to chase the titles in my professional career, that, um, that I would not have been as open to the other opportunities that he's, he's had for me since then. And, and I still work. I still, I still work in the field. I love what I do when I go to work. Um, I'm still good at what I do and I still provide a lot of value and I, and I honor my employer and, um, and want to do my very best work for them. Um, but it's, it's not with the same goal as it was then. It's not with the goal of advancing um, that it was earlier in my career. Yeah. It sounds like you were kind of career focused mm, Yeah, for, for, for a long time, uh, which makes sense as a, if, as an achiever, right? You had some place you were trying, trying to go. That makes sense. Um, I love what you said, friends. I I hope you didn't miss that. (laughs) What what Krista just said, failure was part of the route to where God was leading me. Right. Like I think we want to celebrate and talk about all of the, the good things, right. Mm -hmm. And the, and the successes, but sometimes you do have to fail in order to learn, um, in, in order to, to, come face to face with something like pride, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. interesting. So how, how did God deal with you with pride in, in that? Like, was, were there any kind of, it doesn't have to be a moment, but how, what that, how that manifest for you? Well, I think it, it definitely, um, there was a, some, some humility that had to come from that to, um, to realize that there was humility that had to come from that, but there also was a, a place I had to come 
to understand that everything does not rest on my shoulders. My shoulders are not big enough to carry all the things. Even if you take the spiritual side out of it, of you know God really being the one that it all rests on, even if you take it purely in a secular view, a secular workplace team environment, nothing, no failure is any one person's fault. There's always a team and there's always, there's always um, issues all the way around that causes some kind of failure like that. And so it's really a prideful expression to say, oh, it's all my fault because if I had been better, I could have fixed, I could have compensated for the faults of everybody else if I had been better. And that's just not true. And so I think that's where um, God had to work on me that I, I can't fix it for everybody else. I can only do my best and do what I know to do and, and be the best leader I can be um, and not try. And, and it probably makes things worse. It does make things worse when I try to fix all of everyone else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That can be a, that can be a tough thing when you, especially when you feel that responsibility, right. Mm, to do, yeah. to fix everything. That's just too much to bear. I like, I like the way you, you said that. Okay. So, uh, what, where'd that take you from there? Well, that was, it was also kind of in the time, um, as I was approaching my empty nest years, uh, my daughter was getting married, had just gotten married. Um, my son was heading off to college, and my husband and I were entering the empty nest. And of course, all those years while I was working and doing all the things, I was also doing all the mom things and the, you know, church youth group things and all those things. Um, and so I began to pray, you know, Lord, where do you want me to go next? What, what do you want me to do in this next season of my life? And that's when he led me to volunteer with Proverbs 31 Ministries online Bible studies. And which was really funny to me because after all those years of being the only female many, many times in a male dominated field, I'm terrified of women, <laughs> terrified yeah. of groups of women. And if you had uh, told me I would be this deeply involved in, in women's ministry and serving God's girls, I would have laughed at you. But God, why? God is just, I, well, that's, I mean, that's, maybe that's just a girl thing. I think a lot of women will, um, will um, relate with that is that women can large groups of women can be very scary especially if you're not used to it you know and so um yeah so i it was not my comfort zone to be working with large groups of women but that's where god led me and so i began i volunteered as a, a online small group leader and then um just working with the team there and having ideas and and helping them bring some of their ideas to life um, I ended up on the executive team for online Bible studies with Proverbs 31 and handling a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, registrations and volunteer stuff and things like that. So, you know, we have a ministry that we've got over 200 volunteers leading Bible study for tens of thousands of women all over the world. Um, and so I'm honored and um, privileged to be part of the leadership team there. And so that's where God led me. He began, it's where I began to first see that all the skills he had given me as a project manager in the engineering world of creating plans and, um, and um, pulling together teams and pulling together strategy and making, um, you know, executing someone's vision 
as a project manager that he was able to use that in ministry. And that was the first time that the wall between my profession and my ministry began to come down. And I could see that God gave me these skills that I didn't think of as ministry, you know, because ministry is teaching Sunday school and rocking babies in the nursery and working at homeless shelters. That's ministry, right? Project management is not ministry. (laughs) That's what I thought. But what he's shown me is that project management, using my gifts and skills and talents that he's given me, that's ministry. And that's part of what I try to share and teach other people is that, you know, you have this preconceived idea of what ministry is. Ministry is really just God using the gifts and talents and skills he's given you, whatever they are, in order to further his kingdom. It doesn't have to be churchy or whatever we think, right? right. It's whatever, uh, whatever skills and gifts and talents he's given you, if you give them back to him and allow him to use them to bring people to him in small ways, in behind the scenes ways, in, um, in ways that nobody else knows about, that's ministry. Um, and so that's kind of where I landed. I landed there and then began just to see how that whole thing could translate outside of that one ministry, could translate outside to other women and in ministry and in business. Amen. Friends, don't miss that because that's one of the most important uh, pieces for the body of Christ, that your gifts, your abilities, the things that you do all the time, the body of Christ needs, mm-hmm. right? Somebody yes. needs that. And I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't care how random it feels. Somebody needs it. And it's not just the people who are good at getting up on stage. Sometimes bad at getting up on stage and giving a sermon. Let's just acknowledge that. But uh, getting up and being up front, right? It's not just those people. It's also everyone, all the skills. We actually need them all. Mm. It's one of my hobby horses. I love it. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad that you you learned it. Because imagine, I mean, not to do what if ism, right? But imagine if you had even known that before, right? What what else might might you have done? So, But it's good that you learned it. So fascinating. I, f- I forgot that you were uh, uh, with Proverbs 31. I love that. I saw Lisa Turkhurst in um, Nashville in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was amazing. She was mm-hmm. so good. Um, but uh, so tell me about kind of where, so then you started to figure out, okay, I could do this for other people. So then you started your own kind of yeah. kind of side thing. Tell me yeah. about doing that. Yeah. So I just started telling people, it was funny because I didn't know what it was. I'm like, I just feel like God wants me to use these gifts and help other women and, and help other people be able to take their crazy ideas and, and put some structure in them. And I didn't know what that was. And one of the other girls on the team, when I was kind of, kind of talking through this and processing it, she said, Krista, you're our doer of things. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's what I am. I'm a doer of things. And as I just began to pray and God led me to those verses in Isaiah about doing a new thing and all those verses are all around of bringing us out of the places of wilderness and into springing up a new thing. And that just was such a parallel for where I was in my life and my career coming out of the wilderness and the frustration of the failure and trying to see what God was doing out of that. He was doing a new thing. And so that's how where the business um, bloomed uh, as do a new thing. Um, 
and and that's where the name came from and kind of the vision is to for me to do something new and for me to help others do a new thing something that they don't know how to do to help them do their new thing yeah i love that so what what does that mean that you you do for with people now um i do um a, a lot of one-on-one coaching and i do uh, through a group i help them uh, create plans I help them uh, stay on track with what they plan to do, hold them accountable and not just kind of accountable. I find when people want accountability, they usually want one of two things. They either want a cheer, really want just a cheerleader who's going to say, yeah, yeah, go, you did it. It's okay. No matter what, it's okay. Just keep going, you know, or they want the drill sergeant that's like, you know, drop and give me 20 because you didn't write 500 words today or whatever, you know, like they want the drill sergeant, but I really try to help us stay in the middle there. I, I call it tough grace. Um, you know, I love, I love you too much to let your dream die. Um, so I'm going to give you mm-hmm. grace for life that happens, but I'm also going to be tough and help you do the things you need to do. So um, we give a little bit of tough grace every week as we help people um, not just focus on what they didn't get done or beat them up for not doing the things they did, but to figure out what kept them from doing those things and fix those things, right? So that they can do better the next week. Yeah. You said earlier you love working with creatives, right? Mm, or yeah. visionaries. Like, t- tell me, so what do you find that they need most? They need structure and they hate structure. So they need <laughs> right. what they hate, right? And yes. so um, so we have to find a way to give them enough structure structure for them to be effective. Um, and, and enough, um, without killing their creativity and their vision and give, putting them so hard in a box that they're always pushing against it. And it's especially difficult for people who are kind of in that emerging place where they can't afford to help hire help. They can't afford some to hire the person who's going to be that structured person on their team. They're trying to do it all themselves, but it's not their gifting to be that structured. So we have to find some in-between places where we give them enough structure to be effective and get going until they can bring that person who comes alongside them and is really their assistant, associate, whatever you call it, the person that gets the things done while they're being the visionary. So that that eventually happens for most people. But in the beginning, when you have to do it yourself and it's not your gifting, we have to um, find some strategies that help you be a little bit more structured, but not so much structured that it kills your motivation. Right. Oh, you're speaking my language, Krista. Like that's so like I, I totally get that. So what what's something that you found that really works for people? What's a what's a thing that you do? Well, one of the things I do, I have a, it's called a six pack planner. And it's really just a it's honestly, it's a sheet of paper with six blocks on it. Okay. It's not all okay. that complicated. And each block has like four little check boxes in it. So like you're saying, okay, in each of those blocks can represent one week or or two weeks or a month, but I usually make them represent two weeks. So if if you have six blocks, two weeks each, you've got a quarter of the year basically. And so planning things within those blocks, okay? And the blocks are only have four check boxes. So you're just kind of thinking, what are the four main things I need to get done in these two weeks? It's not a super detailed everyday to-do list because a lot of creatives can't deal with that. But if you can just give enough focus so that I can get these four things done in this two weeks sometime, um, and then the next two weeks, these are the four things that I'm going to focus on. You get those lined up in a logical order, 
that usually helps. And the other way that that helps is that, especially with creatives, you've got all the ideas and all the things you want to do. And while you're doing, you know, thing A, your brain is thinking about thing B, right? I need to do that thing. You know, I need to do that thing B, whatever it is. And I can't forget to do that, but I'm, I'm supposed to be doing thing A. Well, when you have a plan that says thing B is over here in, in, in three weeks from now, it's in the box for three weeks from now, when your brain tells you, hey, go do that thing, you're like, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about it because it's over here in this future box. I know I'm going to do it when the time comes. I don't have to worry about it right now. And you're able to focus on what you're doing. So having a plan, enough of a plan so that you don't obsess over all the things at once, you only obsess over the things in their proper order. That really helps most creatives to have enough focus, but then also enough freedom to work within that structure. Yeah. Which is, that's really powerful. I love that you even know that. Cause I'm like, how many people, how many teachers did I need in, in school that didn't have any idea that <laughs> right? they just need to give me a little structure and then give me some room. Right. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's so good. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. How'd you find that that was your niche? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think I began to, these things just make sense to me, you know, with all the things mm. that for someone else, I, one client that I worked with, she said, before we met her brain, it, all the things were like spaghetti noodles in her brain. And after we <laughs> met, they were like spaghetti in the box again, you know, they were lined up and they each had their position in the box and instead of being all wound up together. And so I think I just found that I had that ability to straighten out all of those things. The things that are swirling around in your brain are like little toy soldiers lined up one after another in my brain. It's just the way that God wired us each differently. Right. And, but I don't have the, you know, the wild, creative, audacious ideas, you know, that other people do. So God wired us all differently and he matches us up uh, with the people that complete us and that help us, um, to, to work in the most effective ways. Yeah. Which that, again, that's one of the beautiful things about, about uh, the body of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. Okay. So that's interesting that that's kind of a new season for you. Um, that, but how long have you been doing this? Actually about six years now. So okay. yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It kind of came out as, as a new season. Mm -hmm. Like what, I don't know. It sounds like that's kind of a, kind of a thing that, um, that you really, you know, really passionate about with, with kind of, you know, helping people find those step into those new seasons. Yeah. I, I love, I love working, especially I love working with women in that same stage of life who are kind of transitioning out of the mom, full-time momming thing um, and transitioning into the empty nest years, helping them find their purpose during that time and realizing that God's still got lots for them to do during this season mm. um, and, and helping them find what that is and then equipping them to actually do that. That's, those are some of my favorite people to work with. I love that. I think that's such a fascinating season too, mm -hmm. uh, because you know, for us guys, mostly we have like a career trajectory, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for women, like even even my wife is, you know, for years she was home with the kids, and now she's got a job, and so it's got it's like all kind of this. It's a whole different question. It's a it's a very interesting season of um, what's the word? 
uncertain. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it can feel very uncertain and scary because you've defined yourself in one way for a long time. And, and yeah. now that that definition changes, um, you know, I was like, you know, I, I never was able, able to homeschool my kids or be home with them. I worked the whole the whole time. And so I was not one of those moms that, you know, cried when my kids went off to college and all that. I was like, <laughs> I was waving goodbye at the, the door. Have a good time. Um, and I, and I, hey, I raised two well, relatively well-adjusted adults who are both uh, adulting well, and I'm very proud of both of them. So, um, so I, I was excited about the new opportunities that God was giving me and that the doors he could open in the new season. And so I hope that I can help women find that excitement as well. I understand the grief and I understand too, that because both of my kids stayed local to where I am, it, that makes it a lot easier than when your kids go off far away. That yeah. is a whole different ball game to deal with. But I think even then, you know, finding our identity and what God wants us to do in this new season of life is an important part of letting go of the old season. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, tell us a little more, like you have some other things, like you're, you've got a journal coming out that you're, that you're creating. Tell me about that. Yeah, I have this really cool journal. I, I love this journal. <laughs> it's one of my better ideas. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I got the idea from listening to uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle talk often on podcasts and other places about the five-year journal that he uses, you know, a line a day, five-year journal. And he wow. you know, talks over and over about how if you just write this one line a day, on each day of the year and every after two or three years you see the patterns you know forming and i'm i'm like that's a really great idea but i'm entirely too impatient to wait years to see that pattern right and so i said well let, how about if we just did it for a year and so the journal has um 31 two-page spreads and in a, in a place for each month so on the 1st of January, you write a few sentences and then the next page, you write the 2nd of January and the next page, you write the 3rd. And then at February, you start all over back at the beginning. And so over a period of a few weeks, you begin to see God's faithfulness. Um, you begin to see patterns in your life. You begin to see things that you thought were a huge, horrible deal you realize that really wasn't that big of a deal. It's already taken care of itself. You know, you just begin to see God working in your life in a really unique way because you can see exactly where you were a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, all on the same page. So anyway, it's called the Move, Move Forward Journal. Um, uh, it also, this is the second year I've published it and it's got this year I've added about 30 pages of goal setting and goal planning and quarterly review pages in the journal. So, um, so yeah, it's actually, it's available now and I'm really excited about it. I love that. All right, friends. So go and pick that up. Of course we have links to that at halfwaytopodcast.com. Uh, Chris, I love that. Where, where else, where can people connect with you if they'd like to? Um, the website is doanewthing.com and you can find me at doanewthing on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the places I hang out most. Perfect. I love it. Krista, thanks for sharing some of your story. I really have been encouraged uh, by hearing all that you've been through. Also, uh, is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, I, I think let's just go back to that whole idea of, um, of God's got a plan for using the gifts and skills he's given you um, for his glory 
not necessarily just in your vocation, but as, as ministry as a way to, to reach others and serve others. So, so um, you know, whether it's, it's teaching, um, sewing, welding, whatever it is that God has given you to do, um, there's a way he can use that to serve to serve the body and bring people closer to him. So, so be on the lookout for that because it'll come at you in the most unexpected ways. Absolutely. Amen. I love it. Thanks, Krista. Sure. Thank you.